It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live. Oh yeah. Hey, what's, what's up, up guys? guys? <laughs> See you there. Sorry, we've just been chilling out, just watching Jean-Claude Van Damme clips and uh, and clips of Steven Seagal running on YouTube. Busy day. Yeah, fantastic. Day. It's just yeah. business as usual here at Flow Grappling HQ, right? <laughs> just dreaming about a world that could have been. <laughs> Man, I gotta say, I think that you know maybe the contributions that those have given to the martial arts community and, as you say, the world in general are just so underrated. You know, just think about the good that Steven Seagal has done in this world. Debatable, but Van Damme, however. <laughs> Van about Damme. Dolph Lundgren, yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme. All about it. Those Man, guys are it great. Was a, it was a golden era of action movies back in those days, right? What's your favorite, uh, Chase? I know that you're a huge Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, fan. I mean, the answer, the correct answer to this, by the way, is, <laughs> is, is Bloodsport. You, really? It's the movie that kicks it off for everyone. And if you enjoy that kind of film, you then go down the rabbit hole of Van, or this Seagal comes into play, Bruce Willis, all the eighties action heroes. See, now you say Bloodsport. I, I don't I can't agree. You, I can't agree. I need you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, because how can you possibly say that Bloodsport is better than Kickboxer? I mean Kickboxer is like the ultimate the ultimate Jean Claude Van Damme movie. Come on. You've just started a blood feud. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do love Kickboxer. It goes to Thailand Kickboxer and all that stuff. Is but dances in a bar. That does the splits with punches behind the balls. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme performance. 100%. 100%. I like where this is going today. Today yep. is, is a great podcast. We can talk about Legionnaire. We, should, we were watching Hard Target. I used to love Legionnaire. That was actually one of my favorites. I don't think it got the credit. I don't think it got the credit it deserved as a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. It gets overlooked. Yeah. I think actually the, the thing that really people don't, don't understand is that Van Damme pioneered the twins thing where he, he started two different movies with like doubles and, oh, yeah. and partnering That's up. Right. Incredible. I think Double Impact was one of those. Yeah. And... What is the other one? There was another one. Um, what's the one with um, Dennis, Ro- like- Dennis Rodman and Bruce Willis? Is that like um Maybe that's Double Impact? Mm-hmm. Uh, double Dragon? I'm, I'm mixing double, it. Double <laughs> Dragon. There's so many double puns. But Van Damme did it all. Yeah. And it's <laughs> called have- a movie of DMX. What, Guys, what was we that have our first comment coming in, and I'm afraid to say Chase uh, he agrees with me, because Ronnie Walker says that, yes, Kickboxer was the best. Kickboxer. Lenny Walker and you can walk up into the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> but he's right. Tong Po is the best martial arts villain of all time. You know that famous scene where he's just like, he's like kicking the, the concrete pillar yeah, and yeah, like yeah, that was before good. the fight. That was yes. good. That was, uh, yeah, very scary. But yeah, that's definitely between those two though, Kickboxer and Bloodsport because Bloodsport, man, 
it's just an incredible movie. There he is. It's incredible. Guy. Come on, remember when they? <laughs> yes, exactly. Pocket Sand. Pocket Sand made his debut in Bloodsport. Right, and they're fighting. He's got to find the tooth. <laughs> find the tooth on the mat, that's right. that, and then um, that's that's like where I learned that there was like different fighting styles. There's like a monkey fighting style, and there's like right. a just just like a being big that, and that's tough. Pretty pretty racist, I think, actually back big, then. Big big and tough, <laughs> s- um, strong man fighting style, um, kung fu. Fighting. I always liked how they always had like the token kind of like American knuckle biker dude or yeah. something he'd just be the slugger like what was he good at he was just good at like violence yeah, yeah. yeah. like what was his martial art he was just like ah I drink beer kind of like bite their ear or something like yeah. Tank Abbott style I don't know but speaking of Tank Abbott man you know I came across something the other day he's like apparently he's been in and out of hospital recently he had like a oh. straight up liver transplant and stuff yeah OG he does not Snake look fight systems yeah he does not look like the Tank Abbott of old because when That's I saw this old photo got skinny well, so yeah he's like super skinny and he's all gray and stuff he wrote a book actually did he? yeah yeah he wrote a book no way uh, maybe a couple of years ago wow I bet that's actually fascinating because I bet that guy has got some incredible stories yeah it's all about you know his fighting in the you know bar rooms bar and stuff brawls, like that. right yeah. that's what ah, he was skills. the original Huntington Beach bad boy right <laughs> like Tito straight up stole his nickname really yeah he's yeah. from Huntington Beach huh yeah because Tank was like uh, dude this is crazy like but Tito was originally brought in to be a training partner for Tank, like in the late 90s. And then, like, obviously, Tito kind of had a couple of matches in UFC, a couple of fights, and he started winning, and he became, like, the big star of, like, the early 2000s, right? Mm. But, like, you know, Tank was never an athlete, but Tito was. So it's a little bit of MMA history right there. But, uh, yeah, we're talking a lot about martial arts movies and stuff today, right? Martial nice. arts movies. We're some of the, like, just straight-up martial arts movies. I was a big fan of Power Rangers back in the day. but Oh, yeah, yeah, I watched a lot of Power yeah, Rangers. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I was a huge fan of, like, the, uh, the the Jackie Chan and Jet Li kung fu movies okay. as well. Yeah, I got yeah. really into, like, the Hong Kong martial Black, arts movies. Black Mask, I remember watching that one. Do you guys one. ever see the documentary Budo, The Art of Killing? It is so sick. It's, yeah. like, it's like, made in the late 70s, I want to say, and it kind of chronicles all of uh, Japan's major martial arts, like karate, judo. Uh, sumo, Akito. sumos right. in there. Sumo is like, sumo. like the best one. Yeah, they, wow. the torture stretching exercises. Yeah, yeah. There's like he's, one like 300 pound dude, right? He's like trying to do a split, and they're just like pushing him down cool. to do a split. I, I love like, the karate Ooh. guy punching a train. He just is like, like <laughs> yeah, just punching a train over and over again. By the way, well, you know, you never know when a train might come up on your face, and you have to take that sucker out. You know, <laughs> so. I will say the way to bring it back a little bit to the beginning of this: the way to judge a good Van Damme movie is if it has leg torture in it. So, like, in Bloodsport, uh, you know, his sensei rips yeah, his legs apart full, on the tree. And the full. level of leg torture signifies the quality of the movie. Exactly. Kickboxer, ah. he's got to kick that tree until he snaps his shin or something crazy. Yep, um, yep. There's a couple Van Damme leg torture scenes throughout his, his history. So that's how you know That's good. how you know you got a good one on your hands is if he's being forced to do the splits. What was, what was Van Damme torture in general. That's how you know it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Watching some Van Damme movies is torture. But <laughs> what was the first, like, martial arts uh, exposure you guys remember? Because like, we all, like, we're all years. into jujitsu now, yeah. but there was something else before that, right? So I did, um, I think it was called Kempo Karate when I was a kid. But how'd you get into that? Like, did you get signed up by your parents? I want to say my dad watched the Gaul movies. <laughs> oh, he was like, Chase, you're doing this. He's like, we got to make you to a fight. You, Mr. Smith. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't quite know, but I got into it early, like six, seven years old, I want to say. But I, I do feel like definitely, like, we would not be sitting at this table without Jean-Claude Van Damme. Hell like, no. he is, like, literally the reason why I, like, 
found. I, I mean, I'm sure, like literally everybody. I was feeling a bit down last night, so I, I watched Bloodsport last night. That's literally why I'm here today. So Van Damme <laughs> got me in the office today. The Bloodsport has the weirdest like structure of a movie, mm. like because like there's so much flashback. There's, yeah, there's like a seven minute flashback. Yeah, yeah. There's like a good chunk of the movie that's just like a flashback, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. Now back to the competition, but <laughs> bringing it back away from Bloodsport. What about you? <laughs> what about you, Reeve? What was your first martial arts exposure? Um, I did. I had a friend in like elementary school who did karate, and I think I went and did karate a couple times with him. I don't, I don't think I ever really signed up, um, but I do remember like like um, getting the um, like Green Ranger. Um, like martial arts, like VHS tape or something. Whoa, he was, actually had martial he has, like, arts. He has like, own, he had like his own, like an instructional. Yeah, an instructional, his own DVD, his own. Uh, yeah, his own was he like aimed at kids? Probably. I mean, I bought <laughs> it. So, or how many adults were watching Power Rangers? <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I learn that shit? <laughs> was he wearing the uh, the actual Green Ranger outfit? Or? No, no, he was wearing stuff more that you would see in a in, in in blood sport. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing like silk pants and yeah, yeah. and you know some sort of belt. Cut probably, yeah. <laughs> and he, actually, he turned out to be the most legit of all Power Rangers. He actually That's fought MMA, fights, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So, what's his name? Jason. Something? I learned a lot, a lot, a lot of good stuff from him. <laughs> a lot of a lot of valuable <laughs> techniques that I still use you today. Do today. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my word. That's and amazing. How, and and yep, what yep. is your martial arts origin story? Way oh, back. I mean, way back. Same dude. Karate. Like I had, uh, you know, friends in, like you say, elementary school who was like doing karate, and uh, I got I got taken along to a lesson. I bugged my my mother because I was like, you know, a huge fan of anything like Power Rangers and. And Ninja Turtles and stuff, and I was like, I want to do Ninja this. Ninja Turtles was a good one, yep. right? Yeah. And uh, and she wouldn't. She let me go to one class, but then she wouldn't let me sign up. My mother wouldn't let me do it. I guess she had thoughts I'd become a violent hooligan. So, <laughs> I'm glad oh, you well. went out of your way to prove her right. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I I had to wait a very long time before I actually got to really invest in the martial arts. So that's why the, the Jackie Chan and the Jet Li movies are like living vicariously. I didn't realize that they, those guys were all on wires and stuff, you know, flying across. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But definitely, also UFC brought me brought me into martial arts too. Absolutely. That was definitely, definitely. But you know, I remember exposure. watching UFC like way back in the day and just thinking it sucked. I was like, really? Yeah, because this is the complete opposite of most people watch it, and they're like, it changed my life. I realized that there was more to fighting than just spinning kicks, and you know, it was like all about the groundwork. I watched it, and I was like. This sucks. Where are the spinning kicks? <laughs> it's like, yeah. what, the, what the hell are they doing? Just like twisting on somebody's foot. That's bullshit. And so I completely discounted it for years. And then I was like, <laughs> ah, I suppose it does work, right? <laughs> Man, I went down like the weirdest rabbit hole in 2006 and seven when YouTube came out. And like, I came across like Pride Fights on oh, yeah. K1 and yeah. UFC stuff. I had no idea what any of it really was because I, I didn't really know. I just remember in the, in the news occasionally like MMA would come up as like human cockfighting and that's all I knew about it yep. and then I agreed when I watched Pride I was like holy shit this is yeah. insane like, True. It's what, like, what like, is this stuff you watch some early, <laughs> yeah you watch some early UFC and you're like oh okay that, that's kind of crazy and then like yeah then you pull up like a, a Mirko Krokop highlight or a Vanderlei Silva highlight on YouTube that everybody was watching and you're like those dudes are the scariest dudes I've ever seen in my entire well, life they made like, UFC look tame yeah. you know you had like Matt Hughes like laying praying on people and then mm-hmm. you'd flick over to Pride and like you say, it'd be like head kick knockouts Soccer and kicks. flying yeah. stomps and stuff. And I was like, ah, my God, how is this even legal? Um, God bless Pride, man. Pride <laughs> Somehow I watched died. this and was like, I should try this. Yeah, right. <laughs> After like a couple of five years of watching, I'm like, I want to do something close to that. Not all of that. Yeah. Not all of but that, yeah. something like that. 
Man, the good old days. I don't even watch MMA anymore. No? Nah. You should have seen this uh, Jorge Masvidal, Ben Askren fight. Well, that I did see that. Over the weekend. Yeah. Basically, if an MMA fight can fit Jamie into the length of an, uh, <laughs> if an MMA fight can fit into the length of an Instagram video, I will watch it. But I never watch MMA anymore. I tune in for the big fights occasionally, but I, I can't there's a say lot. It. Yeah. There's a lot of MMA. There, there is. is. Yeah, it's hard. To, I mean, we have enough of a hard time keeping up with our own sport, you know, jujitsu. So to, to keep tabs on all the promotions, of MMA is, is tough. But. I know MMA is kind. Of, I mean, it's cool and all. I can appreciate, you know, spectacular acts of violence. You know, I can appreciate the artistry and like, you know, setting up certain techniques. Um, I don't really get the same buzz as watching jujitsu guys in MMA though anymore. I don't know. Is it just me? Or is like? I think we talked about this in the past, but. I don't see any guys really like doing amazing jujitsu MMA anymore, and that's kind of one thing Man, that you I really. Missed last fight. I, we, we Lovato's last should, fight. We, have we talked so about? Sick. Have we talked about that? Like how? I, know. Did we, I think we mentioned it in past. How that he sick was. it is that that Lovato is a world champion in MMA, a Bellator champion, like, and he did that it with jujitsu, man. So like sick. it was the, the, the takedown entries he was doing. Like he sort of pulled. Half yeah. guard almost. He was going for like a single, like a body mm. lock, but then dropped down to his knees and started wrapping up like a Lucas Leitch style half guard sweep. And it worked. He did like three or four times. Yeah, get that oh. underhook and, yeah. come up and come up with it. And he was and really torquing that leg when he had that half guard going. It, it was straight up just jujitsu wrestling and working at the highest level. And then the, the, the fifth round, right? His, his first mm. ever fifth round, it was all jujitsu. I was worried there in the fourth, he was starting to fade. Look, he's getting a little tired. And Musasi was raining down some like big blows uh, through his guard, through Lovato's guard. But then he just dug deep. I don't know where he went in that minute rest period. But so so sick that yeah. it happened. Sorry to no, go ahead. So sick that it happened against um, Gaygard. Yeah, too, right? He's like a, killer. a legend. How many fights did he have? Like fifty fights? Or yeah, something? probably close to that. Yeah, yeah for it's sure. Insane. In and, MMA, that's crazy. Right? And he's had yeah. and he's had a bunch of kickboxing fights too. Yeah. Um. So like, it's awesome that he did it against you know just a. The, like one of the most re- well-respected guys in the sport, Gegard Mousasi, has been around forever. So that was awesome. You know, what I, I really respect actually is that <clears throat> Levando implemented a really solid strategy for getting his jujitsu to work. Because mm. this is something a, a criticism a lot of jujitsu guys, especially the crossover jujitsu guys, have is that they just walk into the cage and it's almost like they expect their jujitsu to work. But it's not that simple, is it? Because you need to have really strong strategies for getting to the positions that you want to work from and especially like back in the day but even still unfortunately you see some guys just almost like they expect just go close guard and and do jujitsu and it's like it's not that easy you know it it completely changes the game you can't just drill some close guard from bottom or whatever so it's like that that strategy of what you're saying there Chase about how Lovato was getting into that like Mm. half guard attacking position and then using it to open up so much stuff it's like that's that's the kind of that's the jujitsu that I get excited about in MMA yeah, it's nowadays. Yeah, really cool, man. You know? I, I was standing up cheering when I saw that happen. Like, oh my god, he's doing it! He's yeah. doing it! It's working. So, yeah. Dylan did really well with his jujitsu as well, but not quite the same caliber of opponents as Lovato. So, yeah. speaking of Dylan, we we saw Dylan last week, right? We were yeah. there in uh, in Orlando for Kasai Super Series, and uh, and he was there to corner uh, Man Shakira Munchi. Who uh, who had an amazing, I think, submission of the night, right, against Emiko yeah, Koko, and who's also, you know, working on making his transition to MMA and doing it right. That's right. He's uh, currently working through some kickboxing, right? But uh, it was, I mean, how long ago was Dylan's fight? It's like a month ago, something like month that. Ago, yeah, yeah, roughly. So you know, he's two and zero now. And um, I said to Dylan when I saw him, I was like, man, you know, the first fight, I don't feel that people really got to see anything because you tap the guy out so quick. 
and and Dylan was like, yeah, he's like, I, I wanted to really show people that I can fight, that it wasn't just like a lucky submission in that first match, you know? It's like, and the one thing I really enjoyed watching in, in Dylan's last MMA fight was that he was super aggressive and he was using ground and pound as a strategy to open up the submissions and stuff. I, I, I thought it was a good fight. It was a good showcase of his skills, right? I know Damian Maya had another win pretty recently, I want to say, maybe two, three weeks ago. Um, and then we have uh, uh, another jiu-jitsu athlete fighting again this weekend do we aj Aga's arms on the next belter i didn't well, even know well, that you well. mentioned it this week um, <laughs> no it's true he is fighting this weekend i, I think that's actually really cool because uh aj has um <clears throat> he was one of the most visible personalities and athletes competitors in the sport for a, a few years there right he was one of the most prolific grapplers you know, on the scene very active and, too you know there's a gigantic aj shaped hole in sport right now <laughs> And, but he's gone over to MMA, so you know, I, it's this is the chance though because he's going to have to prove himself this weekend, right? Yeah, he's he definitely had a lackluster performance his first time out. Um, wasn't able to finish when he had some pretty strong positions, so I think uh, he's definitely hoping to turn that around this weekend. Yep. Yeah, you know, I think it's a good point that it's like it is hard to uh, to win in the cage, and um, got to give give it up for, for for Dylan for going out there and, and being two and zero because it's it's not an easy thing. For sure, to especially a guy like Dylan, man, he's got such a big target on his back. Hell yeah! Um, everybody wants to see him lose, um, so it you must be tough. People must be lining up for the chance to fight Dylan because they, yeah. they want to be that first guy to, to take him out, right? Yeah, and it's an attractive uh, proposition too. He's not that proven yet. He's only two and zero. He doesn't have an amateur record, yeah, so right. if you're trying to make a name, he's he's a pretty good target. So uh, definitely excited to see what happens next for him as well. Hmm. Speaking of um, speaking of Dylan, uh, did you guys roll with Dylan? Did right? We rolled. I did. All of us rolled with him <coughs> at rolled Pans him a in times. 2016. Yeah, uh, we rolled with him at the Ruka Gym in California, right? Yeah, that's the only time I've, I've trained with him. Yeah, yeah I trained yeah. with him. Yeah, we all trained with him at the Ruka Gym there um, in the Gi, right? Like day before Pans. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then I trained with him one time at, at Unity Nogi. Too. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Because yeah. I think that's a really good segue into kind of the topic of today's episode right it's right there in the title the best black belt you've ever rolled with mm. question mark <laughs> not question mark. not statement the best black belt you've ever rolled with so far question mark yes best black belt you've ever rolled with <laughs> who is so, who who is the best black belt you've ever rolled let's, with let's, chase let's move on let's move on <laughs> no in all seriousness i was actually thinking about this last night Damn, I'm not sure because there were a couple of really really good ones and i was trying to judge like okay Who's got the most world titles and who's mm. there? So, so okay, who is the best black belt you roll with? I think that maybe we could start off with a couple of criteria because we've all had the pleasure and the, 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 the good we've fortune. have been very lucky. Rolling with some very, very, very good ones, right? But let's start off. First of all, who's the most credentialed, do you think? Who's the highest, who's the guy with the highest number of accolades and titles and so on? It'll actually be uh, the gal in this case, Bia Mosquita, the female lady ah. goat, and I uh, did this little episode of fix my game where we if you haven't seen those on the site it's awesome i, I roll with with the, these athletes and then they point out some things that are wrong with my game and i also focus on some things they do really well so for her we worked on a lot of close guard and fundamentals and things like that but yeah i mean she is the greatest of all time i, I can't even remember how many world titles she has it's it's insane it's like seven something like that mm-hmm. and so what was and the, then what you counting world pro and adcc yeah she's wor- <laughs> exactly she's That's run no yeah. world so yeah she's definitely the most Credentialed. And so, me. what was the like experience like? The actual role, man. Uh, there's definitely just a, a gap. Like you, you roll with a black belt at the gym, uh, at our own gym, home gyms, and then you roll with someone that's world class, and it's it's incredible, you know. And she's 
there's no strength involved with her. She just takes advantage of like whatever I'm doing. Um, it was it was just super fun and eye opening too because what she was doing. Um, as, uh, compared to like someone like Edwin, who's kind of flashy, you know, he's getting like crazy subs from somewhere. Hanato Canuto, I've rolled with him too, and it's just like flying arm bars from anywhere. <laughs> she was just killing me with like the basic stuff. Really? You know, was just limiting my movement and, and like taking my back from close guard and, huh. you know, finishing me from side control with some really like what most people call basic things. And right. I, I thought I knew how to avoid them, you know, but I couldn't, I couldn't stop it. It was awesome. So it was Dang. really cool. And I, I definitely invite anyone who hasn't seen that episode of Fix My Game to, to check that out because. I think it's uh, applicable to anyone. White belts and up, so some good stuff there. That is really cool. Yeah, and I gotta say that fixed my game episode. It's really cool because I like beers jujitsu because it stands out, right? In the modern era, beers jujitsu is like the opposite of the majority of jujitsu that you see. And if you really are one of those guys who, who likes guys or girls who likes um, good old-fashioned traditional functional jujitsu that just works really really well, man. That, that's the game for you, right? Be so good at that. There's no real trends in her game. She just does what she does best against everyone. Yeah. For years. Yeah. For a long time. How about you, Reed? The most, uh, the most credentialed. Not the best, but the, the maybe, you know, in terms of like, this, but the actual the person with the, the most number of titles and awards and so on. Um, yeah, it's tough. I, I, like I said, we've definitely been super lucky to get to go all over the world and, and roll with some of the best guys in the world. But I would say it was probably either, right, either um, Andre Galvao or Marcelo Garcia, probably one of those two guys. But yeah. um, I'll talk about the Marcelo Garcia one just real quick because that one was a, a great day, and I think Mar- Marcelo gave me a lot of good advice that day too. Oh yeah. Um, well, just he imparted some wisdom. He did. Uh, you know, it's you know, you're lucky enough to get to roll with these guys, and so yeah, you definitely got to take take as much as you can from it because there's so much wisdom there, and it can be definitely. An intimidating thing, right? Oh, it's, like, it's still scary. Yeah, it's, it's 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 yeah. very intimidating when you when you especially you know it's the first time I'd, I'd ever rolled with Marcelo, first time you ever rolled with Bia, right? So it's like a new thing, and obviously they have so much weight behind them. They have so many titles and, and things behind them. You so kind of have to remind yourself that, that damn it, they're just human. You yeah, know? like yeah. they have two arms and two legs, just like everybody else. It's but like, then <laughs> you roll with them, and you realize they're not human. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, I'm wrong. I'm actually wrong. <laughs> yeah. But you do, like, I, I know what you mean, though. You almost second-guess yourself because it's like, if I grab this arm here, it's like, what the hell are they going to do to me? They're just going to do all this crazy stuff because they know all these things. And it's like, you've got to be careful not to beat yourself up before you what even did, start. Uh, what did Marcelo tell True. you? You said he imparted some wisdom. Well, I, I mean, I had a great time with him. And they, it was, they were doing 10-minute rounds wow. that, that day. And so was I... This, sorry, was it Gi Nogi? It was Nogi. Cool. Nogi, you know, and um, I, I'd like, I like both, so, um, but... That's a lie. It would be cool. To, it would be cool. To, it would be cool to roll with him, the gi. Um, but uh, I rolled ten minutes w- with Marcelo, and then we stopped, and and um, then he, um, you know, we slapped hands, and he was like, "You want to go again?" And so I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." You know, Dude, so, you rolled twenty minutes so, with Marcelo so, uh, in one day. Two, two ten minute rounds back to back. Wow! And uh, it was incredible. You know, and and uh, obviously, you know, like you said, like the the technique that Marcelo ha- possesses is far beyond my understanding of the sport, sport of jiu jitsu. I'm working on it. Um, but uh, it, it just feels like he's you know five steps at, five steps ahead and everything. But I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think what, exactly what he said to me. I can't remember exactly. Um, but I, I remember the some of the gist of it. What was about dealing with like the intimidation and stuff like oh, yeah. that, and and how you know going into a new, new gym 
is uh, it can be tough, but I think it's like such a valuable thing thing to do is to I go in, to agree. go into a gym that you don't go to every day, and to seek out uh, the tougher roles or to seek out people that you haven't rolled with because it can be scary and you, it can be very humbling. You can mm. go into a gym, especially like Marcelo Garcia's, and get your butt whooped. Absolutely, you, you, you know, <laughs> time after yeah. time after time. You know, I mean, it's but almost like, guaranteed to happen if you roll with like the killers that they have in that room. Exactly. So. Mateus even came up to me afterwards. He was like, man. He was like, I was, I was gonna ask you for a role, but you rolled twice with Marcelo, so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want, I didn't want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, you dodged the bullet. There. Yeah, yeah. But that's cool, man. I, I wonder if it's still true because um, Marcelo, he used to have that thing, didn't he? He used to. Roll. <laughs> I see Seth calling me out on there. Yeah. <laughs> Seth Dent deals beat my ass in Hawaii. Is that what happened? All right, all right. Yeah, he camored me, camored me a couple times for sure. Seth, Seth's legit. But uh, did he get you with the twister? He didn't. He didn't get him with Twister, but not, maybe he could. But the Twister is like a wrestling move, so I'm 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 hip to that one. You know that stuff, yeah. But um, but yeah. But he, yeah, Marcelo. He used to have that thing, didn't he? He used to roll with every single visitor that came to his gym. Mm, I didn't yeah. know it was every one. I knew he I did mean, it with a lot. It, well, I mean, I think that's not even possible anymore because he receives yeah. so many nowadays. You know, and you know. But I, at, at one point, it kind of was, mm. and um, and he certainly made the point of rolling with me like years ago when I visited his gym for the first time, um. But yeah, incredible man. That's that's so lucky. Damn, t- twenty minutes for Marcelo. No, absolutely. So cool. It was absolutely. It was a great day. And those and those experiences, I feel like, make your jiu-jitsu grow so much because mm. just just to feel everybody's felt somebody really good. Mm. But um, well, speaking of feeling people, feeling people who are really really good. Um, I guess like you know, it's a toss up between the best and the the most credentialed because. Uh, the most credentialed, like Kyo, I think it is for me, you know, because I've also rolled Kyle yeah. and Lucas Lepre. I don't want to, I feel like those right, guys are, right. are among the, the greatest as well. But I mean, Kyo is like, what he's like, he's world champion and a 11 time world time. champion, I think it is. The Nogi yeah, world Nogi, champion. Nogi, yeah. So, you know, he's pretty good. Um, but the other person who I roll with who has an absolute boatload of credentials as well is actually Michelle Nicolini. Mm. And Michelle is, uh, that was really interesting because, you know, so I'm about, 180, 185, you know, and those guys are way, way smaller than me, of course. You know, they're probably both like walking around about 130. Uh, so, you know, it, it, I, I go into a role like that and I treat it very much as a learning experience because I'm not going to not going to get anything by trying to go hard on anybody like that. And, you know, it's a chance to actually feel really, really solid functional technique as well. Right. But I'll be honest, like Roland and Michelle was really awesome because I got to feel um, this amazing half guard passing that she does. BJJ Scout had, you know, had an amazing uh, study of her like tripod style passing from mm-hmm. half guard, which is really really cool. I remember the shin trap stuff too. She would do from bottom. She didn't really do yeah. much uh, too much with me, but she, the passing stuff, I got to feel like, how effective it was. It was really good. But uh, man, I think you guys probably had a similar experience. But rolling with Kayo. He just messed me up. <laughs> he was telling Reed to go harder. It was yeah. hilarious. Yeah. He kind of did the same thing to yeah. me as well. It's like he's rolling like about halfway through. He kind of stopped and he looks at me and he goes like, he's like, you, you can go a little bit harder if you like. You know, <laughs> you, you don't have to roll so slow. And he, like, didn't uh, say, like, he didn't even say that to me. He said, you need to go harder. Oh, you need to. Yeah, oh, like, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like rolling with Kyle was really cool because like, I just honestly, I didn't feel like I initiated or could do anything i just mm. you know how you said like marcelo was like five steps ahead like that's totally how i felt with kayo as well i literally never felt in a position where i even had one grip that i could do something everything was reacting to him whether it was top or bottom 
and uh, and I got to feel the, the famous footlock as well. Right? Oh the yeah, that, that got caught with that a few times. He yeah. put it on really nicely as well because yeah. he kind of caught it and he looked at me and he's like, "Yeah, ah, yeah, here it is coming, it's coming, <laughs> it, it is, is. Ah. it's tight, it's yeah. tight." Who's a who smash you guys the worst out of out of the pros? They're all, they're all super nice, so it's it's a little bit more usually, rare when usually, they put it on you. You know, they don't usually beat us up too bad, no. do they? I think if they did, they worried that they might not get too much coverage. Or <laughs> they're like, I gotta get kind of gentle. Yeah, so they maybe they're a little bit too nice to us. But... I would say, even though he was extremely nice by anyone's standards, yeah, no. Va- Wagner was pretty pretty <laughs> tough to roll with, and he, he gave us a taste. Yeah, he gave us a taste. It, yeah. it, on, a, on the scale of Wagner, though, it was like a three out of ten. He he takes it to a whole other place. Yeah, but I could see how just like his game is just like smothering and uncomfortable and miserable. Oh, God, and man. it was so it was so impressive. There was a moment light, like you know? I I always like really really give a hard time to people who tap from pressure to mm. positions. You know. I'm like that is such a pussy thing to do, you know. And Don't like, sugarcoat it, Hal. No, I, no, I'm straight up saying like, you know, you you tap to pressure, you're a bitch. It's like, come on, this is jujitsu. There's no tapping to pressure, right? You just suck it up. Literally, my hand was like this. I, it was floating. When Wagner, he got the rear, he got the rear body lock, and he like, you know, put me face down, belly down, and just like, I didn't even know what he did, but the hips just kind of went down, and I just went, and my hand was like. Fucking float! I think maybe he saw it and then he kind of like backed off because, like I said, you know, he just gave us. He was like rolling with me and Chase like ten percent at most, and then he dialed it up to about forty just to let us feel it, and then he dialed it back down again, and it was like I never made the forty. Oh my God. <laughs> Man, I was gonna say that it's usually the um, it's usually like the the purple or brown. Oh my belts. God! Yeah, I that, mean that, that, oh, they, that, they that go after you. Yeah. The black belts yeah. are, are usually pretty nice to me, and yeah, I feel like I'm gonna say a couple names and they're gonna be like. We went super easy. Yeah. I went super <laughs> easy on you, man. <laughs> no, it's yeah. true. Whenever we go visit a gym, uh, especially together, like I feel like I'll drop in someplace by myself and, and no one really recognizes me because it's just me. But when it's like Reed and I and Reed's got the hair and stuff, you know, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, okay. I usually have some cameras with us, like all oh, these little flow guys. Uh, and holy shit, the entire gym is like, I'm going to get a piece of the flow guys. <laughs> and they're just coming after you. And they're like lining up. <laughs> that's the best training I'll ever get because it's uh, it's real. Like yeah, some, yeah, some of it's yeah. real. Those purple belt juveniles just like, Coming to kill you. I gotta say though, watching like you two roll, I didn't roll this day, but uh, I I remember watching you two guys. uh, uh, One guy who who messed you both up pretty bad and pretty mercilessly was, was Josh Hinger. Oh yeah, Josh was pretty brutal too. Because <laughs> yeah, that was that, back that, in the day. That was 2016. It was I've back gotten, in the day. I mean, I like, give him a better go this that time. That was a good session because you both got to roll <laughs> with Andre and you both got to roll with Josh. Mm. And Andre was like super playful and smiling the entire time and having a lot of fun. And like Josh was like. I don't know. He's like, how many times could he guillotine you both in one round? I think it was like he go he go go plotted me. So Ooh. yeah, that was his, his Facebook his banner for a while. Foot in my <laughs> face. That was good. I sent him that photo. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. But that was pretty nice. I'm trying to think. I think I'm like I've um, puked a couple times at some gyms, and and I think Carb- I was rolling with Carbolito one time, mm. and I was like, I. I can't roll anymore. <laughs> and then I was rolling at Unity a couple times, and I was like, I can't roll anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> I've never puked from training. I've no one time, I just haven't. one time. That was actually at Paragon, just at my home gym. Wow, it was just really hot. It's so hot here in Texas. We don't use AC. And man, people have no idea how hot it gets here. Yeah, really don't. I mean, like, what is it? It's like yesterday, for example, I saw people posting, th- you know, pictures of the thermometer in the car, and it was like. 110 115 120 in some places you know it gets hot as shit here in, in, in austin texas right but uh i mean even training in brazil we don't tap where, pressure we don't tap here in austin <laughs> <laughs> but even training in brazil where it was like 
hang on a second. I need to convert metric to. Uh, if it's over thirty, it's super hot. <laughs> I've I've trained in the hottest I ever trained was that the, the about 100, 110 degrees Fahrenheit in Brazil in a room with no air conditioning. Oh my god, I'm not and that high. It was it was Terra Ray's gym actually, and it was like um had like kind of no windows. The windows were like this big. They were like a slit at the top of the room. How did nobody die? Like I mean, I wanted to. <laughs> you know, I straight up wanted to. And uh, that's actually the day that a 90 kilogram black belt decided that he was going to fly in triangle over my seated guard. And, that's uh, a good feeling. And I didn't roll for another three weeks after that. My yes. neck was jacked. But mm. anyway, but oh my God, it does get so hot here, right? Mm. It's like, because you guys just don't have AC in gyms. It's, it's freaking They're brutal. all. They're Sometimes. all, I don't know. Gluttons for for pain, I guess. All the coaches they want to make you suffer. <laughs> I don't. I don't dislike it in some ways, though. I mean, I got. I'll be honest. When the thermometer does get really, really hot, like some days, I kind of second guess. I was, you know, I consider like I've got those text messages. <laughs> I, I know that the text messages saying like basically, no, screw training today. It's way too hot. No, I think it's worse. I hate going back to the East Coast and then dur- training in the dur- cold during the winter, right? Oh. You know, and it's just like freezing cold in there and you have to take and you put your gi on your gi's all stiff and everything and it's like so cold like and then you have to get get warm like at least when it's 100 degrees you're already sweating so for real man (laughs) actually i love that the fact that you just you basically sort of quick quick uh, there we go i'm warm let's go you just train yeah i'm not a morning training guy i hate training the night all the pros train like 9 a.m or earlier and when I have to go to that, I just want to die. Like yeah, I immediately, yeah, I tell people like if if you, you are on a mission to like kill me, just find me before nine a.m. in public. I'll just <sighs> tell you to end it right right there because I'm like, just not when ready. You're only halfway through first coffee of the day. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd rather be dead. So <laughs> to, to fight for my life that early is just like a pointless exercise. <laughs> what, would, yeah. what would be your favorite time of the day? What would be the optimal time of the day to train? Because I like, like a like a twelve thirty one o'clock class. Like oh, yeah. a, enough to where I get like a snack in around ten a.m. eleven a.m. Let that process, and then and then go train, and then also have the whole evening to just do whatever I want. Mm. That's but a perfect day. I like the night training. I like a night training. Night session. training. Yeah, six p.m., seven p.m. I like those for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely not a morning guy either. I don't think any of us are really, are we? But like those freaks who train at like six a.m. jujitsu class, like that would be hard, hard do i mean i can't i don't know how gary and gordon those guys do that right i I just i can't imagine walking onto the mat at like you know basically while the sun is still rising and being asked to try and murder somebody it's like you know i don't have that level of intensity in me at that morning at that that time of the morning but um i always used to really really enjoy training at like four in the afternoon like back in brazil we had a four o'clock in the afternoon class and it was it was about perfect because I would get up in the morning and I would work through to about 3.30 and then I would like, you know, basically clock out and I'd run to the gym and I'd train from like four till six approximately. And it was just like the optimal time. It wasn't too late in the day when I was tired and out of energy and it wasn't too early. It was like four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, sounds pretty good. It's a civilized Ooh, hour. Good. But you know, the lifestyle in Brazil is a little bit different. Like here, not a lot of people get out of work that early. I think if you went to a class, it'd be kind of empty, right? It's I like yeah. either they di- they duck out on it's their lunch hour class, or right? yeah, kids' class after school. It's like either they duck out on their lunch hour or they do it after work. It's like I think the Brazilian lifestyle is a little bit like nope, it's three o'clock, time to go to the beach, Let's get out of here, <laughs> you know. So yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I can get back get behind that for sure. Now I'm trying to think of a a really well known black belt who messed me up the most, and to be honest, I. The ones who have messed me up the most in training uh, are just like random black belts that I've encountered in Brazil. 
like a lot of the time these guys just have like zero name and uh, i remember when i when i first moved to brazil the first couple of years there i was training at gordo's gym so gordo had a gym and every saturday morning uh they had the open mat and it literally I, I had never seen that many black belts in a room at one place like mm -hmm. up until that point i'd walked in on the first saturday morning open mat and there were like 25 black belts chilling and they were like maybe eight colored belts all the other color belts it was just like a ton of black belts and i discovered that a lot of these guys they were a lot of them were old school gracie baja guys so a lot of them trained gracie baja during the week and then saturday morning because gordo came from gracie baja uh, a lot of them would go train at his on saturday morning and it was just like rhymes and it was just man like going in there as a gringo purple belt you know like they would look at you and they'd be like fresh meat <laughs> there's my there's my rest round be. right there you know there's my warm-up and, <laughs> and uh i mean some of them would just like i say you know i older dudes you know some of them like there was this one guy i remember he had the craziest nickname it was carlos b3 don't ask me why but that was his nickname carlos b3 that's a sweet nickname and uh, apparently <laughs> he was a, robot, a he was a judge apparently that was like his job he was like a judge and he was the meanest nastiest black belt that i used to roll with in those sessions and he was like probably a solid 210 like 59 just oh, a God. brick of a man <laughs> like no neck and it just like would viciously paper cut you from like side control and you know that horrible pass when they kind of um stack pass and put the hand in the collar and don't finish the pass they just lift the hips yeah. over up and just choke you from there you're like your feet are kind of <laughs> popping around in midair and you're like tapping frantically yeah he used to do that a lot so brutal but the craziest thing was like that room of like like i say 25 kind of like black belts all of them really really solid the day that roger crazy came in to train just man that was wild and i actually had my camera with me because i was doing a little video with him that day and uh and he just walked in and of course everybody knows who he is right a lot of those guys knew him from when he was a kid when he used to train at gracie baja and he walks in and uh he just went through the room like they were white belts wasn't even close really wasn't and like what year is this 2011 mm. so he was this is a while ago but i mean he'd still pretty much stopped you know competing in jujitsu at that point um but holy crap man just goes to show that there are levels to this thing there are black belts and there are there are black belts and then there are black belts right? <laughs> you know no that's uh, that's one of the best things about jujitsu right is that like to get there to get to the end you have to take your beatings. You know, you have to go through it. You have to know what it's like no matter what. Um, there's somebody better than you always, every gym you go to. And so I think that going to different gyms, rolling with different people, rolling with higher belts, rolling with, with um, you know, elite competition and stuff like that, it, it only helps because it only um, lets you know how vast this sport is, lets you know how vast this knowledge of jiu-jitsu is because, like, right, it's when you do, when I've, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for six years and when I roll with Marcelo Garcia and he makes me feel like I've never even heard of jiu-jitsu before, you know, it's it's incredibly humbling. It's, that, it's, that, it's that, 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 that phrase, isn't it? It just shows you how deep the rabbit hole it, goes. It's, <laughs> it's really true and, and you get constantly reminded of it, um, you know, day after day. I like the fact that it's always evolving as well. So it's, it's not like there is a finite point where you're like, I hit the bottom or that's as good as it gets because it's always something new, right? Mm -hmm. It's always something something else coming along that's going to change things up yeah man I, I feel like i've been really going after the lapel stuff you know keenan's definitely changed uh my perspective on that before i, I just knew the worm guard like very basically what it was but now 
uh, it seems like everyone's been embracing lapel variations. I've seen a lot of cool stuff on Instagram, guys like doing weird inversions and, and just like, I don't know, it's endless, right? So I've been trying to see where the lapel takes me. You know, speaking of that, I did, I saw a video posted by the, um, the Dream Art project the other day. Uh, yeah, I love yeah. that one. Those guys are hip with that too. Right, and it was the Muniz brothers. So we mm-hmm. featured these guys a lot, Eric, uh, Alex, and Anderson Muniz, um, who are now training in the Dream Art project in Sao Paulo, the Alliance uh, Talent Development System. And, uh, and and it was just like a, a short Instagram video of this, drilling this technique. And I mean, wow, it was like the Pelgard armbar. Man, it's just, it keeps going, right? It's just when you think that it, it's kind of, hit a point we're like okay yeah I think that's kind of established now is like somebody comes along and adds something else you found something cool the other day for the lapel stuff right I don't know I can't remember yeah, oh, the magazines. oh that's true yeah I thought you meant my own game I'm like no I haven't discovered anything new <laughs> still <laughs> um, struggling <laughs> still, still having a hard time there yeah so uh, I was going through some old jiu-jitsu mags and I saw Keenan on the cover and I scrolled through and found his techniques and it was just called lapel guard stuff like I mean it was just lapel guard <laughs> techniques there wasn't any branded stuff like squid guard but he was showing squid guard there was an arm bar from there I think he had a cool uh, knee bar set up but it was all the kind of modern it stuff he's promoting now that he was this was like 2014 2014 so wow. he's been working at that for some time it looked like that same um, arm bar that he hit on that Ignacio Neto that I oh, have yeah that I have that's a, right that I have a clip of yeah, so it looked like the same same technique. It wasn't invented yesterday, I guess. <laughs> Keenan yeah. been workshopping that for a long time before he put that out. I got to roll with Keenan. Oh, you did? None That's of it right. didn't yeah, work yeah. on me. None of the <laughs> didn't work. You hear that? You hear that? <laughs> I gotta no, say, shout out to Keenan and Josh actually for the new podcast, Matt Burn. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's awesome. Some Definitely. really funny stuff on there. Yeah, 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 I've been enjoying listening to that. So it's nice actually that uh, you know there, there are actually quite a lot of jujitsu podcasts out there, right? We, we were, we've been doing some research this past week or so, me and mm. Chase, because Chase Chase has a new show coming out I called. Do. Uh, chasing greatness, a little little uh, pun there, if you will. But it wasn't always called that. It was going to be called uh, free roll. And until we found out, somebody, we else, found had out somebody else had that, so we had to <laughs> change it up a little bit. But I'm super excited to, to start this new series. It's kind of um, branching out from a few uh, Skype interviews that I had done over the time over the past few months, and they did well. So we want to make it a little more formal, a little more official. So I'm doing a weekly series uh, called Chasing Greatness, where it's who's uh, your first guest. First guest is 2018 world champion Muhammad Ali, and it's nice. it's just an overview of, of his life, his, his uh, experiences in the sport, where he came from, uh, all kinds of stuff. And it, it's it's not just competition focused, you know. It's it's just what jujitsu means to him. You know, I think one of the more interesting segments is how uh, how his life changed and didn't change after winning a world title. You know, he had all these assumptions like I win the world title, I make money. Nope. No one hands him anything, you know. So he's got to create this hustle, and so we talk a lot about his new his YouTube series called Sotinho. I think I'm saying that right or mm-hmm. close. And um, it's a, a weekly interview that he does with just various legends and athletes and so on in the sport. Really cool stuff. Uh, very popular. Very popular. I wish I spoke Portuguese, but he That's did the tell problem. me he did tell me he's going to launch more English content. Oh, um, good. But either way, it's super cool, and I, 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 I love getting to meet these guys and, and chat with them about. Well, um, you know what we all love so much you know that's his entire life and it really is my entire life now too so to have these vastly different experiences and yet love it the same um is really cool to connect with so i invite you guys to check out that show and um give me some feedback let me know you want to hear more of who you'd like to see so yeah yeah yeah. suggestions for guests would be really cool yeah it'd be really cool i'd love to open it up you know there's no rules you know it's 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 supposed to be open-ended free form just uh 
what are we talking about today in jiu-jitsu so mm. yeah it's good stuff i like it and oh, speaking of uh, speaking of new releases uh reed you've actually you've got a really cool project which is a, about to drop that you've been working on for wow months and months i feel like uh tell us about it what is it yeah we got some exciting content coming up here on, on jiu-jitsu got, got a lot of all of us working on some some really cool stuff so definitely keep an eye out we, we're we're ramping things up and bringing bringing more and more cool content but this is one that i'm uh, especially excited about uh this is a kind of um a new series that we're launching on on um, flow grappling called the new guard and uh, you know the the jitsu landscape is is changing especially right now you know um right now there's so many new black belts and there's so many so many uh you know new stars in this sport emerging all over the place you know and so the new guard is a, is going to be a new documentary series where we kind of uh, profile and follow along the, uh, the the next generation of stars the f- the future uh, of jiu jitsu and, and this uh, is not limited to black belts either right no no we're we're definitely we're we're identifying um, guys and girls who are you know who I, I think have a have a strong chance and who have been in the sport for for, for many years already have, have had um, some some big wins and things like that um, but yeah definitely at purple belt at brown belt in, in even black belt you know we know how how hard um, you know how high level these purple belts now are these these brown belts are now and so right out the gate we're we're, we're leading with uh, a guy that uh, you know we know very well here I've been following him for for the last three four years uh, Roberto Jimenez uh, purple belt world champion and I'm um, really really excited to tell his story he's got such an such an uh, exciting story well especially that moment that he won the purple belt world championship as well right that that stands out because it, it well I mean, it's freaking epic. You couldn't have written a better story, right? Man, for me, what's so cool about it, watching it, is um, all the archival footage and stuff. I mean, we've been following this guy for years, but we've been filming him for years. And um, Reed collected all this footage from 2016 on, and it's just so cool to see... Uh, Roberto kind of grow up in front of the camera, you yeah. know, in yeah. its own way. So yeah. I think I think it's probably my favorite flow film documentary style piece we've done. But just tell us really quick though about that Purple Belt World Championship right there, about what what the actual because I don't maybe people don't realize because 2018 World Championships a lot happened, yeah. right? And maybe you know feels so got, long ago even now. But. It does, and maybe got overshadowed a little bit because hey, it was just the Purple Belt, and, you know, the brown belt, black belts as well. So what, what actually happened with Roberto? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of the most in, in, impressive things that happened at the world championships there that day you know um going into that tournament roberto wasn't really as highly touted you know we thought maybe he was going to need a couple years to get acclimated to adult but he came in and he he put on a show and uh he had 10 fights between weight and and, uh, absolute and he submitted all 10 of his fights he won double gold at it was his first um major title at adult he never won europeans he never won pans um never won nogi worlds and he comes out at Worlds, his first year at the in the adult divisions, submits all 10, 10 of his opponents, including guys um, like Mason Fowler and um, Connor DeAngelis. It was a it was a stacked run, and um, just one of the best stories really of of the day to, to see how he was able to 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 overcome a lot of these setbacks that he had earlier in his adult career and how he righted those moments and was able to come out of it, uh, you know, the other side. And, and um, just a great story. <laughs> uh, Roberto, um, a really great guy, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. We just put up a little animation in there. We got a lot of different elements, archive footage, um, interview footage, the animation, you know, some old, old um, matches of Roberto when he's like six years old. You know, this is, this is some cool stuff that I think you guys are going to really dig. Um, we got a couple more 
in the can that, that we're working on. This is going to be a, a thing that we're going to do regularly. So we're New Gods going to be a series? Yeah, we're going to do a, do a nice. series and, and really make sure that everybody out there is, is hip to, uh, to the next generation, to these guys who are making waves in the lower belts, uh, you know, their first, year, their first year at Black Belt, these guys who are innovating the, the, the sport forward and everything like that. I think there's, there's so much talent out there, and we got to, you know, highlight as much as we can of it. So awesome. speaking of talent, actually, I mean, like, you know, without kind of revealing anybody who's going to be uh, your future, future uh, featured stars on this documentary series. But um, just very quickly, like, you know, just go around the table, like new guard. When you say the words new guard and you mm-hmm. think about those up and comers in any belt color, who, who kind of stands out for you? Start with Chase. What do you think? Man, I mean, I think it's hard to deny um Will Tackett at this point. I mean, he he's been all over a site for the last like two months, basically. Every every day there's a new story about him, but he's winning a lot of stuff, and he's you know a teenager, he's a purple belt still, uh, and also of course you know a young American star. So definitely always always interested in seeing people come from places that are not, not supposed to have major breakout stars. He's not from San Diego. He's not from New York. He's here from Austin, Texas. So yeah. you know, I got some interesting you know tidbits about William Tackett actually is that. Um, <clears throat> he was actually at Kasai last week because he was competing two days later on the Jits mm-hmm. King, sure. the, which was in Tampa. So he flew into Orlando and he was there for the uh, for the Kasai on Thursday night. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then Saturday he competed at the Jits King, sixteen man, one hundred sixty five pound Noki tournament, which was purple, brown, and black belts together. Mm. Incredible. He won right, and he did really, really well. He had like I think three submissions in four matches, including a, a very fast like one minute ten second submission of uh, Enrico Coco. That's a big deal because Enrico's like you know uh, an ADCC veteran nogi specialist right mm. so pretty pretty noteworthy um, but it's interesting because uh, there's a lot of buzz around William they're not just from us people are noticing the guys from Kasai they noticed and they hit me up and they were like what do you think about us putting William on the show and I'm like I think that's not a bad idea you know mm. I think he could do pretty well on his um, I think it was on his podcast you know, the, the Keenan's mentioned about how he wants to um, bring together, you know, various guys, Americans, to make up part of his new team, right? Interesting. And, and he straight up said that guys like William Tackett and Cody Steele and those guys, you know, he would love to have them. So if people like Keenan and the promoters of Kasai know your name and you're a purple belt, that's pretty freaking good, right? Yeah, and I know Seth uh, was real hip to the Tackett brothers, there's two of them. Uh, they really, really early. Twin, right? I remember... Um, I think the first San Antonio show we went to, I don't even remember what year that was. He was he was talking these guys up. So mm-hmm. um, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, definitely people are clued in. But now the the general mainstream audience is starting to get a taste. I think that's really cool. Uh, for me, I am um, one up and comer, uh, new guard guy that um, that really impressed me this year, both at Pans and Worlds, and I'm excited to see you know develop. I think he uh, he just got promoted to brown belt not too long ago was Mayram Alves. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. So uh he's a uh, he's a, a young guy. I think he's light feather or feather. Light feather. Light feather and he's out I of I think he might be feather cuz he's kind of small. It always stands out to me like he's small for the division I mean. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, he's a lightweight guy and uh he's competing out of uh, Gigo Jiu-Jitsu in Sao Paulo in Brazil but also uh reps TLI because he uh, you know the interchange the uh, they kind of have like this exchange program going on with mm-hmm. Gigo and TLI right they, actually um Lloyd Irvin was explaining it to me a while ago that it turns out that Lloyd and Gigo 
they both got their black belts from kind of the same source. So that's why there's a relationship between the two teams and why a lot of Gigo guys, when they go to the States, they go to, you know, do their world training camp, for example, at Lloyd's. And that's why they kind of rep like for both teams and stuff when they compete. But, um, but Mayrum, I mean, wow, a, a, a Pans especially, he just tore through everybody. He was like flying submissions he had like four matches in the space of about combined like three minutes or something and you know put the guy to sleep in the final it was just freaking epic so he's a guy who stands out i'm keeping a close eye on him nice kid as well yeah, he's a ton of fun to watch um he looked great at worlds too until the final match where he ended up uh, getting second place i believe uh, yeah, last minute final. advantage or last minute two points i don't Big remember shock, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was that um, that new rule there where it was like he came up and then he went yeah, back he down came up for a takedown and sat down and yeah. like, oh, a few people two. got caught out yeah. you got caught out with that right my pants, I remember. Because remember, oh, yeah, you came yeah, up right. off, on that sweep from the half that's guard, right, yeah, and then yeah. you decided to sit back down, and the other guy got two. And I was freaking out because I was in the corner. I was like, what? Like, no, wait. <laughs> but yeah. A yeah, lot of people, it. I think, they made that rule pass them by. So, <clears throat> anyway, who, who else you got, Reed? Like, maybe you don't want to spoil the documentary. Yeah, maybe but, not. Uh, but uh, I, I, I guess I'll um, give a shout out to Fionn just because I think that Fionn's a, a, a great candidate. Fionn Davies there from. Um, from uh, East Coast Jiu Jitsu. Um, now she trains out in Ireland, and she's just uh, she's had a, a great run at uh, at black belt since since she's graduated yeah, black she belt. So I think <laughs> that she is somebody that definitely embodies that kind of new generation. I think I'd love sure. to hear more about her judo background, right? Because she's a, yeah. a high level judo player earlier, and uh, I don't know anything else really. But yeah. you know, when the, when she's got a great story. Fray, so yeah, uh, agree. Actually, I'd really like to know more about you yeah. know how. She comes from actually. We come from the same country. We come from Wales, right? Welsh, Which yeah. is uh, you know country. part of the UK, <laughs> and it's uh, it's small, man. We we it's like three million people, you know, in the entire country. It's um it's it's not exactly known as a hotbed of jujitsu talent, but we actually have like a lot of jujitsu there now, like a lot of homegrown black belts. But she is by far you know the, the highest profile and the one to have really gone on, you know broke onto the scene and done something special. And I'd kind of like to know how she manage that because mm-hmm. it's not easy getting onto the highest level of you know the world stage but certainly not coming from a place like that you know it's like again like you said not coming from san diego or, or new york brazil. or brazil or whatever it is so it's kind of it's nice when you see some people kind of you know it's like the norwegians it's like the vikings mm-hmm. yeah, right guys definitely you know this is a great example you know i don't even know how many the population of norway but it's pretty small right and they're way out there they're not even like the metropolitan center there's like 127 way. people i want to say yeah. 128 <laughs> in, in norway i think we counted yeah last time they were there you met them all yeah. <laughs> awesome well guys this uh it's probably a good time to wrap it up that back was a good to today. back to jean-claude van damme yeah yes. absolutely always always let's throw it on <laughs> cool well guys it's been a pleasure thanks for joining us once again another episode of Fistful of Colors uh, I think we'll probably do this again next week or thereabouts actually yes we are doing it next week because we have a very special guest coming into the studio next week none other than three time world champion Claudia Duval it's gonna be awesome it is we always like having guests in the studio and uh, and getting a, uh, a, a multiple Decorated. time world champion like that yeah fantastic so look forward to that we'll be shooting a bunch of stuff with her in the studio and um, and just in, in town over like a couple of days we'll probably get fix my game out of that chase right i hope so absolutely yeah. i'd love to get another one of those shots so get some techniques get some other stuff so it'll be a lot of fun looking forward to that cool well you guys um see you next time